Pop quiz. Who holds the record for most goals scored in an NCAA Division I women's lacrosse season? If you're thinking, that's easy. Charlotte North with 102. That's a nice try, but it's so 2021. The correct answer is Abby Horms, who scored 103 this spring for the High Point Panthers. This week, Abby joins me on Laxbeat to talk about the scoring record, having her inner midfielder come out at times, her professional lacrosse aspirations, and much more. I'm your host, Stephen Stamp. Welcome to Laxbeat on Inside Lacrosse Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. But before we hear from Abby Horms, a quick break, and then we take a look at news from the National Lacrosse League, taking a peek ahead at week two of the division finals. This weekend, we will see game two in the National Lacrosse League division finals, and we're going to take a peek at what the teams that lost in game one face as they try to come back and win their series and make it to the championship series. In NLL playoff history, there have been 14 best of three series. So for the San Diego Seals and Toronto Rock, who lost in game one last weekend, the good news is teams that lost game one have gone on to win game two seven of those 14 times. So they've forced a third game in half of the instances of three-game series in the NLL. The bad news for San Diego and Toronto is that in those seven series that went to a third game, the team that lost game one has never won a series in a regular game three. Five of those seven three-gamers happened in either 2014 or 2015, the two seasons when the third game of a series was actually a 10-minute minigame. Uh, the game one loser actually had a slight edge in those mini games. They won three of the five, lost the other two. However, those are the only three series that a team has won after losing the first game. So to, to summarize, in the 14 best of three series, game one winners have seven times swept the series winning game two. They have two game three wins and two mini game wins. And the other three series were won in the minigame by the team that lost game one. So the Seals and Rock are looking to make history by coming back, forcing a third game and winning that third game in a full regulation game. I don't think either team is beyond doing that. Obviously, both were very competitive games in game one. Uh, it will mean... For Toronto, they would have to win at home and then go back to Buffalo and win a game. San Diego has the slight edge in that if they can go and win in Calgary, they'll be back home for game three, giving them a bit of an advantage in trying to set that bit of NLL history. We'll look at one other thing as we head into this weekend and the games too. Dane Smith announced on his Twitter account that he will donate $50 for every goal that Buffalo scores in game two to the Buffalo 514 Survivors Fund through the National Compensation Fund. Given that the Bandits scored 18 goals in game one, that would have meant $900 to the 514 Survivors Fund. Uh, now, the Bandits probably won't score 18 again, but that is still a substantial contribution to which Dane Smith is committing uh, to whatever they score this weekend. It will probably amount to most of his game check or even more than he makes for playing in this game, which is a pretty big commitment to for a professional athlete to make to a fund and he had a very moving statement on his twitter account saying why he's he's making this donation 
pretty cool as well that Matt Vince, John Grant Jr., and Mark Miyashita have all said they will match the donation. So that right there bumps it to $200 per goal that Buffalo scores so far. There are other folks in the Twitter thread asking where to donate. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if others hop on to match Dean's donation per goal, uh, $50 per goal. In times of tribulation and horror, it is heartening to see people show that there's still hope for humanity. So thank you to Dane Smith and everyone joining in, trying to do what they can to help survivors of the Buffalo 514 massacre. Um, like I said, great to see there's still hope for humanity. I'm going to put the link for the fund into the episode description on Laxbeat's homepage on Anchor FM. Don't worry if you're listening elsewhere. It's pretty easy to find. Go to nationalcompassion.org. And the Buffalo 514 Survivors Fund is right at the top left. It's the first fund there at the moment. I'm sure it will stay up near the top of the page for the foreseeable future. So you can go there and the link, as I mentioned, will be in the episode description. We're going to take a quick break. And after we get back, Abby Horms. Joining me on Laxbeat, the new record holder for the most goals in a single season in women's division one lacrosse history, Abby Horms. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you on. And uh, I just want to start out just asking a little bit about your background. I know you're from Falston and you're, you're back there now. Um, and you, you played lacrosse, but you kind of a, you were such a bit of a late bloomer. So you were, uh, you weren't recruited by the, the big schools necessarily, right? Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, you know, being Falston just outside of Baltimore, obviously you'd be looking at Maryland, which is right there. And obviously a, a great school, a great program over the years, North Carolina, about a six hour drive within range, but in that general vicinity another great program were those schools you were looking at at the time um I wouldn't necessarily say I was looking at those schools but I mean I feel like most girls growing up starting to play lacrosse like dream to go to either Maryland or UNC and I was just mm. like any of those kids right so so dreaming of as a as a younger girl and then you um you you, you get into your junior senior year or whatever and and uh what was it that made you think, hey, maybe High Point is a good option? Well, I guess, so I was on the B team, my club team, didn't make varsity until sophomore year in high school and still didn't play. So I guess because of that, I felt like any top 20 school was out of reach for me. But still, you know, I didn't want to give up. I was still emailing and um, contacting those schools and <laughs> I wasn't getting many looks. So I also was set on staying close to home. So I was looking at like Towson, um, Hopkins, UMBC was my number one choice for a while. And then I found out about High Point. My cousin went there and played for the men's team. And I visited the school. I went to a camp and saw the campus and I loved the school and I loved the coaches. And I don't know, it kind of just felt right almost immediately. Whenever I've spoken to, to people about High Point, um, I 
for full disclosure, I met a couple of High Point students who were uh, announcers, and they came over to the 2018 World Field Lacrosse Championship for Men in Israel, and I was organizing the announcers and doing play-by-play, and they came over, the school helped them to, to come over and do that, and uh, terrific young, young men, and uh, one of them, Kevin McMahon, is now actually the Director of Athletic Relations at mm-hmm. High Point. He's a, a, a proud and... Uh, and very involved alum of the school and uh, he helped set up this this interview and they just raved about the school and I've talked to some other people and they just rave about the campus and how beautiful it is and how it has kind of everything you would want from a campus did that grab you as well absolutely I mean you see all the pools on campus and there's a steakhouse and you just think to yourself you're like what other school has this you know it was awesome so the steakhouse, I, I saw that in your uh, U.S. Lacrosse article, and uh, what's what's with this? I, I guess it hadn't occurred to me that schools don't have steakhouses, but it's just a steakhouse right down in the quad or something. Or, uh, yeah, so it's on campus, and it's actually like the same meal swipe as a Starbucks drink. We call them magic meals. Um, but the thing is, you can only go once a week, and you have to make a reservation, and reservations are kind of hard to make. So I tried to go every week when I was there to make the most of my time there. Get my parents money's worth but you know it's hard so i definitely did not go every week but it was a good experience every time i went did you get to go to the steakhouse after you scored the record setting goal um i don't think so oh i think they should have booked you a special table after you got that i mean that's a big deal um man what, what did you take at high point sorry what did you study at high point oh um i did exercise science as my um, major and then I minored in entrepreneurship and then when I went back for my fifth year I got my master's in business. Okay so that's a nice balance of of the science side and the business side and entrepreneurship and um, I want to come back to that a little bit later some what you kind of what you're doing with that but I want to talk about the season and and what it was like and first of all obviously you'd had some pretty successful seasons leading up to this and your three full years you mentioned that you didn't uh, you didn't make varsity in high school as a, as a freshman didn't really play as a sophomore you really came into your own in your last couple of years there and then you come in and as a freshman at high point you get 59 goals score 66 as a sophomore um and then there was kind of the write-off year for everybody with the uh, with the pandemic then you come back score 76 which is a lot of goals in uh, in 2021 but this year something happened that clicked and just cranked up the the scoring rate so substantially do you know exactly do you have a feeling what it was that allowed you to be so successful this year i mean i guess it comes down to my teammates you know i've played with different attackers over the years so i definitely was playing with some successful attackers you know you have certain connections with more attackers other than you know so i had a strong connection with my friend mina she's the feeder of the team and then my other friend nicole was the other feeder so i guess you could say we were roommates and best friends so we had like a stronger connection on the field but also knowing that it was my last year, I guess I really wanted to leave it all out there. Every time I touched the field, I played like it could be my last game because, you know, it could have never know what can happen, like injury, another pandemic, literally yeah. anything. So I think I just wanted to go out with a bang my last year. One of the things I noticed just looking through your statistics and that is, is how consistent you were. You played 81 games at high point. I'm not sure if you're aware of this because a lot of, you know, people generally aren't that 
involved in their own statistics as those of us just looking on are, but you scored goals in 79 of those 81 games, just twice you got shut out. And in the last two seasons, you've played 37 games and in six of those, you scored two or fewer goals. The other 31 goals, you had at least three goals in every game. That's a pretty solid record of, of consistently scoring a lot of goals. Is, is that something you prided yourself on was, was bringing it every time you hit the field? Yeah, I think so. In those games that you say two or less are being shut out, I would find other ways to contribute, even if I'm not scoring the goals. You know, you could be getting draws, causing turnovers in the ride, which it feels like everyone only really cares about the goals. But I do pride myself on being a threat all over the field, I would say. You also set a career high this year, as you mentioned, other ways of helping in ground balls by a pretty large margin. Your high before was 32. You had 58 this year. What, uh, what do you attribute that to? Because that's a, that's a big jump in, uh, in picking up ground balls. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not a midi, but I feel like I have the speed and endurance to be a midfielder. But when you get to college, you know, the coaches decide where you're going to play, not you. Yeah. So I feel like I just like to think I'm a midi and try and, you know, be scrappy all over the field. So I guess that contributes to the draws and the ground balls. And sometimes I even chase people over the line and I end up on defense and got to scream out to my defenders purple so that they know they're in man to man because I definitely don't know the zone. <laughs> right, right. So you just, when, when you're in that situation, you just pick up, pick up somebody, try to stay close and, and let your teammates know to, to, to take their players? Yeah, I'm always trying to get the check. You know, I always want to get the, ba the ball back for our team. So sometimes if I end up over the restraining line, if I can make it back and have a defender go over or maybe fine, but sometimes I do get stuck over the line. Yeah. It, watching you play, it looks like there's a lot of cases where, you know, you talked about your teammates and about everyone working um, towards the same goal. And, and it seemed like on the ride, you really – it was a very attacking ride. I mean, there'd be, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of on ball pressure, um, which, which tended to lead, it seemed like to some, some turnovers there, some, some balls being available to go and get because player, it looks like opponents were really forced into, into trying to force some passes or trying to find an opening that may just not be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the goal of our ride is to not get the ball back. Obviously that's the end goal, but first to just slow the ball and try and make them turn it over themselves. And then, you know, if you have a good double team, you get that check off, but high point definitely has an attacking mindset at all times. So the ride and um, fast breaks off the draw or cause turnover on defense, I would say is our strong suit. We love to play fast and move the ball in the air. So a lot of our goals, I think come from cause turnovers in the ride um, or fast breaks. Yeah. There are obviously the comparisons between you and Charlotte North are going to be inevitable since you broke her record of 102 goals the year after she set it. Um, I think there's, there's some differences, obviously. I don't think there's another woman in the game who shoots as hard as Charlotte does. Um, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, right? Um, but a, a similarity for me that stands out in the way you both play is the knack for finding open space at precisely the right time and a sense of exactly when to cut and where to go. And I'm wondering that that's a, a field IQ thing. That's a game IQ. Um, where does that come from for you uh, in your background? What makes you think you have that? How'd you think you developed that sense? Cause that's not in necessarily a natural thing. That's what I think sets premier goal scorers apart. Yeah. Um, 
I would say Charlotte North and I are very, very different players. Um, obviously, you know, she can rip it from the eight meter. I don't really do that. But I would say a thing that we have in common is just always being double teamed or having an early so slide sent to us. So in that case, you know, you got to get your head up and find who's open because if there's two players on you, that means someone's open on the backside. So I think that's something that develops over time. I'm sure both of us have been used to facing those situations for multiple years. So, you know, I think it just comes with time. Another similarity that, that I've seen from the two of you is the respect for your stick. Um, you see so many players, they score and it's like they fling the stick or they throw it down or they just toss it aside. But both of you seem to place the stick down quite gently and carefully and then do your celebration. Um, so the officials can go check it and can take care as well. What's, uh, what's the thought process there for you? Uh, you know, you must not have seen some other games because okay. there has been games where I have thrown my stick and either gotten yelled at by the ref or my coach. But, you know, you can't control it. You score a big goal in a big game and your emotions just take over. And, yeah, sometimes I have thrown my stick. But I just recently found out you can get a yellow card if it hits someone. So I think I learned to stop doing that. So the last few games I would just place it gently on the ground. But every player has a different way of doing it. You know, some clap for themselves, some slide it, some just drop it. I think it depends. But. Yeah, just whatever comes naturally to me, I guess. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, obviously, I guess the ones I saw, because most of the goals that I've seen, you seem to be very, uh, very uh, precise with the placement. Um, so a, a big difference, I mean, you talked about some of the difference in the game. Another big difference uh, between you and Charlotte and between the seasons that you had and the, was the way it was received. Uh, you talked about this in the U.S. Lacrosse article. And I will admit that, I'd heard of Charlotte last year and was following her progress towards the record and, and got a real feel for her situation. I ha have to admit, I had not heard of you until I saw that article. And I don't mean that to be, you know, to be negative, but it seems like it's something you faced that you haven't got the same attention. And even when you set the record, it sounds like the attention you got was a little bit different. And I get, I, I don't mean to disrespect Charlotte North at all. She's an amazing player, great person. Um, and she also was, uh, it was a very impressive accomplishment, scoring 102 goals, obviously. And they're the top team in the country most of the year, went on to win a national championship, kind of a dream season. So there's the extra attention that will draw. You guys didn't have as much success this year as you, you would have hoped and um, not having quite the record and the, the success you had. But the other side of it, just, it felt like people were putting down almost what you, what you accomplished because of where you play. And what, what do you have to say to that? I mean, yeah, Charlotte is an awesome player. You know, she set that record last year. She won the tour time and her team won the national championship. So I'm sure myself and other people were wondering why she even came back after, you know, accomplishing <laughs> all that. Um, so yeah, some of the comments people were saying was that her setting the record was more impressive because She's in the ACC, which is a better conference than the Big South. But I'm sure what those people don't know is that out of conference, we also play ACC teams, uh, CAA teams. You know, every year we have Duke, UNC, JMU on our schedule. So we're still playing a bunch of top 20 teams. This year we played Michigan as well. So I think that is something that those people definitely don't think about. They just have nothing better to do than troll social media. And I mean, that's a, a very 
busy pastime these days trolling social media there are, as you said you know people love to get onto it um but did there might obviously your teammates and the people that really know you and care about you and you care about it, i'm sure you got plenty of uh, positive reaction from them yeah all my teammates were backing me up my cousin who played uh for the men's team some of the men's players um in the past years so it was definitely good to see those comments rather than the negative ones has the relationship between the men's and women's teams at high point i know it's it's not a huge school right and you, it seems like you'd be a pretty close-knit group among all the lacrosse players yeah it's a pretty small school it definitely doesn't feel that way but the men's and women's lacrosse teams are very close i know um neither of us won our conference uh championship this year which definitely sucked but like the last week of school we all hung out together and it's like none of us wanted to leave and now you have graduated, you've moved on your back in, uh, in Maryland, and I'm curious what you're up to now that you've, uh, you've gone home. So I'm continuing to do lacrosse training. It's something that I've been doing since high school. And, you know, it's just a job that's always there for me uh, when I get home over summer break, winter break, fall break. So it's definitely always nice that I can make money while I'm home. Um, but now that it's my full-time job, you know, I'm going to need to step it up but I've already had tons of people reaching out. So people want sessions, whether it's group or individual. So I'm gonna to continue to do that and look to um, maybe run some clinics in other states because I wanna grow the game in places that it's not as popular like Maryland. So I'm hoping to like find some connections, work with other people. And I'm also hoping to get my personal training certification. So definitely gonna do that this summer so I can um, become a personal trainer and work with my mom. Right. And your mom's got her own personal training business, right? Yeah, she does. Yeah. And you've been working with her with that. Just still, like you said, you got to get your certification to become a, an, an official personal trainer. Yeah, I've been working with my mom. She started this business many years ago. So it's just awesome to see how many clients she has today. And she did all that herself. So basically, she did the hard work for me. You know, I already got the clients and I've been working with her, observing um, her basically like an internship. So now all I have to do is get certified. Nice. And what other goals or plans do you have in the game? I know you don't feel like you're done with lacrosse. Mm hmm. I'm, I definitely don't want to be down with lacrosse. Um, I'm playing for a summer league that I played for last year, and it's super fun. Just once a week, a way to touch my stick and, you know, play the game. Aside from the training that I do, I'm, of course, touching my stick, and I think I will be maybe for the rest of my life. But I also am hoping to play pro if the opportunity approaches. And the, I mean, Athletes Unlimited, I know, is a, is a pro league that got going last year, and uh, did you get a chance to watch very much of the of the league last summer? Yeah, I caught a few games. Okay. It's definitely a much faster pace than um, the game that I'm used to. So I think it would be an adjustment, but definitely a good one. Yeah. And what what do you think about the adjustment to the rules? Because it's uh, for anyone who's not familiar with Athletes Unlimited, it's individual player based. They don't have teams that go through the season basically they they have they pick captains who are some of the top players they select their teams in a draft they play and then and they're all ranked based on scoring ground balls to, you know winning quarters winning games a variety of things each player is individually ranked then the top four players redraft teams for the next week um, i had dempsey arsenal on the show last year 
And it was a lot of fun just going over that whole thing and, and going, watching the games was, was it's very high quality lacrosse. Um, and watching the drafts was probably almost as much fun as the games because there, there's obviously a, a pretty strong relationship amongst all the women who are playing and especially because they're shifting games, shifting teams every week. But uh, it is pretty different the way the, the rules, the way the scoring works. What do you think the adjustment would be like going to that? Um, I think that, you know, it's an adjustment from high school to college lacrosse and then from college to pro, it's always a step up. I think I would be able to adjust and I think it would just be so fun playing with like Dempsey Arsenault and all those amazing players. I've played against them in college, but you know, never with them. So I think it would be an awesome opportunity to get to play with all those players. When does the season start for that? And when, when do things get rolling? I believe it's July into August. It's just like one month. I think. Right. Yeah. It's pretty quick. It's weekly, just boom, 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 get the games. And so do you know what you need to do to, uh, to get there? I mean, you've done a lot of it already by having, you know, having the success you've had and, and putting the, the performances on your resume, but do you know what the next steps are? I mean, I applied a few weeks ago and okay. um, should be hearing back as the tournament's wrapping up. So I'll look forward to hearing about that. And um, it's funny you mentioned the, the point system because my um, high point team, we actually did a point system in the fall which was really fun. You know, at practices, we had the opportunity to earn team points or individual points. And even outside of practice, we had opportunities to earn points. And I have never seen some people get so competitive. <laughs> That's why off the field or outside of the games, are getting just as competitive. That's the nature of, oh, yeah. of elite athletics. What, uh, what were some of the points off the field that you could get? Um, one of the points I remember was getting a selfie with our president, Nito. So, but only one person could do it per week. So, you know, if you just got lucky and happened to see him around campus, take a selfie with him and send it in and got points. Wow. And what about like at practice? Did you have scrimmages? Because you said for, for game points, so scrimmages for winning, uh, points for winning scrimmages. And, and, and then was it kind of similar to the uh, AU model or? Yeah. So it was similar in the way that the top four leaders would draft the teams for the next week. And I think our coaches tried to make at least one drill per practice that counted towards the draft in terms of like goals and assists and cause turnovers and saves for the goalies that contributed towards the points. It definitely wasn't the whole practice because, you know, it was a bit of a distraction, but I think they tried to make at least one drill count towards the draft. How'd you do in the scoring system there? Um, I think I ended up in first place nice nice so are you picking teams every week are you part of the drafting then if you're up near the top so they would do like the four people with the most points in just that week okay. so i think i did draft a good amount of times but not every week um there was also points outside of lacrosse like outside of practice but in terms of lacrosse like extra work and stuff like 30 minutes of pressured stick work and you know, some people just had more free time than other people, which props to them. There was people doing extra work every day, which I thought was an awesome in incentive and a really good idea because people definitely did a lot more extra work than they would outside of the draft. Nice. Well, it's, uh, it's been great getting to chat with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on Lacks Beat and, uh, 
you know, congratulations. I don't know if I say congratulations on, on getting that record. I think it's a very impressive accomplishment. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's great to see that you're, that you're moving on and, and you've got such, I don't know, such clear direction coming out of school. I, I think there's a lot of people kind of finish up school and they're like, okay, what do I do now? But you seem to have a pretty good sense of some things you want to do, which I think is pretty cool. Um, what, uh, what have you done other than working? Cause you've been done for a little while now, a couple of weeks, right? What have you done just to get a chance to relax since you've been, uh, since you've been done? Um, I have been to New Jersey to visit my friends, even though I was just with them. It's like almost separation anxiety, you know, we've lived together the entire year and um, I have a trip to Florida planned next week with them as well. So I think we're going to try and see each other a lot this summer and other than that, I go to Ocean City a lot with my family. So I'm looking forward to working, but also getting to have some beach time. Nice. And would you drive or fly to Florida? I'm flying to Florida. Okay. I'm not sure how long a drive it is. I know lots of people, I'm in Ontario, and lots of people go down from here, but a lot of people drive. And it's, I think it's like 25 or 30 hours from here, but they're just like, well, we'll drive down, then we have our car. <laughs> so no, I'm definitely flying. Yeah, it's it's a long drive. It's some, you know, sometimes it's uh, the road trip can be part of the fun, but it seems like it eats up a lot of the time you'd get to spend down there. Yeah, I just feel like I've had enough driving, you know, high points, not that bad. It's a six hour drive, but Right. I just hate driving. So if I can fly, I'm going to fly. Right. I went to grad school in, in New Hampshire, the university of New Hampshire, and it was about a nine, eight to nine hour drive for me um, back to, to my home in, in Ontario. And yeah, by the end of that, I was pretty much ready not to drive a lot for a while. And then the funny thing, when I finished, um, when I graduated, I actually went because that's the very east coast obviously and i went out to victoria um i'd been on the canadian rowing team and i went out to do olympic trials after i graduated and i drove out so uh you know that's uh, about a 45 to 50 hour drive that uh, i had to do right after and i just thought oh man as if it wasn't enough the back and forth but uh, i hear you on the on the taking the flight when you can yeah sometimes when I get home from High Point, I think about the people on my team from New Jersey and New York, and they just have like at least three more hours to go. And I don't know, I just couldn't do it. So I guess when I was looking at schools, I was okay with a six hour drive, but anything more was a no for me. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's a certain point in the length of a drive that just becomes a bit too much, right? Like it just all of a sudden it extends to, okay, is that something I want to do in one day? Um, and six hours. Yeah, that's pretty manageable, but yeah, you get into nine or 10 hours. That's, that's your whole day. That's a full day of driving and pretty much eats up anything you could do that day. Right. Six is definitely not bad unless you have to do it there and back in the same day, which Ooh. my freshman year, I didn't have a ride home for when, from, um, winter break. So my brother had to come pick me up and go back home in the same day, which was probably the nicest thing he's ever done for me, but he made me get him Chipotle every day of winter break. It seems like a reasonable trade. Did uh, did he also make it clear that that was the only time? Like pull into the driveway at home and say, that's it, never again? Well, I think after that, I have my car the next year. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> that's nice. That's a very nice sibling thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thanks so much uh, for your time, Abby. And congratulations again and good luck 
moving forward with uh, you know with Athletes Unlimited. I hope uh, hope things go well for you. You get a shot there, and uh, yeah, it'll be fun to to keep track of how things go for you from here. Thank you. That will do it, lacrosse friends. Thank you for being with me. Thank you to Abby Horms for joining me, taking the time. It was really fun to talk to her and dive into her career and what she's done, what she's looking to do next. The theme music for Laxpeat is provided by Scotty Comer and Love You to Death. Scotty's a former National Lacrosse League goaltender, now a musician and music producer. Thank you, Scotty, for the music. Love it every week. Love getting to hear it. And love having you all with me, lacrosse friends, here on Laxbeat. I am Stephen Stamp, your host. We'll see you next time. Yeah.